This is Lamenting the Leafs with Cam, Nick, and Keith. Just three young and interesting men getting together on a Friday night <laughs> to podcast. Uh, and I got to say, the, uh, the plan originally was to record on Wednesday night, which I botched the timing on, but it kind of works out because after the Florida game, my plan was to talk about Noah Gregor off the top. <laughs> and, and as good as he's been, you know, we'll, we'll talk about him later. Uh, it's, it's just a little more compelling to have the superstar player scores a get right hat trick and shootout winner. <laughs> and homegrown goaltender lays claim to number one job options to uh, to choose from instead. Uh, Nick, is there a particular one you want to start with? Well, I think you know both are more than deserving uh, of praise after uh, Thursday night's game against Seattle. But we've given Joe Wall his flowers a bit already this season, and you know Mitch hasn't really done much to to earn any of those flowers through the first, you know, 19, 20 games of the season, I thought uh, Thursday's game was just massive for him to just have something to feel really good about. Like he just, you could see the confidence building as the game went on. He just, he really had it going from the opening face off. And, you know, like the production has been mostly fine. He, he went into that game with 20 points in 20 games. How many players would kill for that kind of production? Right. But the like a lot of it came in the two game stretch where he put up back to back four point games like earlier in November, and he, he just he hasn't been impacting the game anywhere near the level we've grown accustomed to throughout his career. So I thought Thursday's game was very encouraging, not only because the pucks started going in for him, but because he earned those looks. He was impacting the game the way that we're used to seeing and he just he was flying and you know we're gonna need that version of Mitch Mariner if the Leafs are gonna have any modicum of success this year yeah I mean I think you can even kind of take this same conversation with Matthews now he hasn't broken out yet um the the same way that that Mitch has but we've seen this before out of these guys where they do kind of go cold and it doesn't happen very often and I think because it doesn't happen very often, it becomes that much more of a storyline and that much more kind of worrisome. But I think collectively, everybody had to, needed to probably take a breath, myself included, on on Mitch and, and do the same for for Matthews. Like these guys didn't just forget how to be elite players. Um, you know, they're, they'll they'll snap out of whatever it is that they're in, and we just saw Mitch do it, and hopefully he can continue it. Um, and also, it was pretty cool to see it kind of coincide with him getting what looked like his face broken um, you know, <laughs> just for an added bit of flair to the storyline. He comes back out with the cage and then the bubble um, and, and goes on to have a couple of pretty good games. So moving in the right direction for the top players, um, you know, it's been a little, a couple of games now that uh, I don't think uh, Nylander's looked all that good. And, you know, what's well, kinda, well let me what, ask you this. Uh, that was on my mind that I know it may be a little bit far fetched, but like, what do you think? make of the fact that Mariner has looked so much better since joining the line with Tavares and Nylander has kind of quieted down since going up to the Matthews line. Like they got absolutely caved in against Seattle. They were like below 20% expected goals. Yeah. I think it's the fact that every team throws everything they can at Matthews. So if you're riding shotgun with Matthews, you're going to, you're going to catch that. And you know, yeah, but we've seen Matthews like, battle through that and sure, still for be sure. one of the best players in the world for sure, but i just it hasn't been think, that no he hasn't and, and i'm not not excusing it i'm just saying i think the reason that you see 
Nylander plays so well with Tavares and then now Marner play well with Tavares is that they're not playing with Matthews, which means they're not playing top competition. Yeah. So I think that's probably what it is. I don't think it's this, you know, that Matthews is kind of dragging people down. I just think that it's that much harder to get space when he's on the ice because of what the other team's doing, but it doesn't matter. Like that, you know, if you're going to be the highest played player in the league, you have to figure out ways around that. And I'm sure he will, but um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, Mitch looks a lot more like himself in the last couple of games. Um, there's still lots of question marks around the team, but I mean, Marner was becoming a bit of a difficult to watch over the last few games. So I'm glad that he's he's kind of snapped out of it. Well, so much of his game is between the ears, right? So it's it's yeah. good to see him get that confidence back. Yeah. So uh, let's let's move along then to uh, the other star of the night, Joseph Wall, who has just been so solid of late and. Uh, I mean, I kind of had the question for you guys before the the Seattle game. What once Wall was named the starter because my expectation was kind of that you know Sammy would get the Seattle game and and Wall gets Boston uh, as kind of you know a nod to the fact that he's been so good and you know you give him the hockey night in Canada, you give him the the big matchup, and I mean the the general sentiment I got was like you know he's going to get both and and that's obviously what's what's going to happen especially considering he looked so good against Seattle. Yeah, well when. Keith was asked about the decision ahead of the Seattle game. It, he made reference to the fact that it was a very easy decision because of the way that Joseph Wall has played. And I don't think he did anything against the Kraken on Thursday to change that mindset. Like He was spectacular once again. Yeah, he gave up three goals, but none of them were softies. And we haven't seen a whole pile of soft goals get by him at all this season, you know, even when things maybe haven't gone the, the way that he or the team would like, uh, I, I thought he was just absolutely crucial to coming away with the two points in that game against Seattle. Never mind the Florida game where he was probably even better. Yeah, but yeah, he's just there's something about Wall, and I may have mentioned this already, but like even when things are going poorly for him, or the Leafs aren't winning, or what have you. He hasn't looked like a disaster in the net. He doesn't look like shaky or like he's falling apart or or cracking under the pressure or anything like that. And like conversely, even when things have been going Samsonov's way, it's still been like a complete adventure with a, yeah. an ugly goal or two mixed in here and there. So like I just think it's been such a stark contrast between the two guys visually, never mind the numbers. Uh, it, it's just it's a no brainer right now. You keep running with Joe Wall until you know he shows that he can't handle it, and I don't think he's given any reason to believe that that's going to be the case anytime soon. Yeah, it, you're right in terms of how it looks, right? Like a bad goal on Wall just kind of like squeaks through an arm or something, or just like you know he maybe wasn't quite set. Whereas like a bad goal on Samson, obviously like halfway in the corner and completely lost his posts and stuff. So it's, it's a little bit more like confidence inspiring, even just the look of the, of the two goalies right now. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, no, we'll, he's done what he needed to do to prove that, you know, and, and not, not that it's his net for the rest of the season or anything crazy like that, but, but for, for right the time now, being, yeah. why, why overthink this? Like if you have one goalie going and one not, then yeah, I mean, it's, I'm not saying play him the next 10 games, but don't, don't not play him just because you know you've you've got another goal you're trying to get right. Like the points are more important than that right now. If if Wall's going um, the way that he's going, and like yeah, like I, we were talking about that before before the game last night was like what would it take kind of to to have him play Saturday? And we both were kind of like, well, if he plays good, it's Saturday for sure. But I wouldn't. He didn't even need to play good for me. He just needed to not 
be terrible. Like even if he was just okay last night, I still would have probably wanted to go with him on Saturday night. So it's it's a no brainer. Have they they haven't announced it or anything yet? Have they? I don't know. I no, but seen it, anything, it, it, but it's it'll happen. In the same vein that you're talking about there, Keith. Like I think Wall has also earned the grace of having a game exactly. or two that are less than yeah. stellar without you know losing his grasp on you know the bulk of the the starts going forward here. So yeah, yeah, I think the Leafs are in a good place with Joseph Wall in the net and you just got to keep running with him. Yeah. And I mean, like it's one thing to like earn the trust of the coaching staff. You know, you do that by just kind of being solid, making all the stops that you got to make. You win over the fans by making the stops that he was making yeah. at the end of that game against Seattle, man. Holy shit. Uh, he was spectacular in that overtime. Like that stop on, uh, was it Everly yeah. on the, yeah. the cross crease feed there in like the dying seconds? Like he, he just, he looks so composed. And I think it, it, it was kind of evident in the shootout as well. Just the way like he, he tracks the, the attacking shooter and just mirrors their movement and stays upright. Like even when he gets into his butterfly, like his upper body is still really upright and just doesn't give a lot of net. And he's just, he just looks completely dialed in. Yeah, he's, he's, he's getting winning points for the team, whether you want to say that he, he probably got them two points against, against Florida and at least one of the points, you know, against, against Seattle. So he's, he, it's, it's a no brainer at the moment. It's his net. And like you said, just be, if he goes out and lets in four goals against Boston, I'm not ready to say, oh, okay, let's like in a rush to get Samsonov back in there. One of the guys is kind of committed for, uh, you know, I think he's got next year on his contract. Samsonov doesn't. Like, he, it's more important to me that we figure out what we have in, in Wall right now and just kind of keep riding the hot hand, right? Like, that you don't have to declare your starter for the next 20 games now. Um, it, it could change, but right now it's it's definitely wool. Yeah, Keith, I, I think that uh, I think that Noah Gregor might have something to say about one of those points against <laughs> Florida. Anyway, I don't that's, know. I don't know if you can give them both to Wall. I think that's that a good point. Gregor might like claim uh, he's been good, man. Yeah. He he has been just such a, a perfect fourth liner, and the speed is there every night. It seems. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the like. Having some speed on the fourth line has been something that I think we've been lacking for a little while right now. And um, he's kind of your perfect fourth liner. Like he's physical. He gets in there. He, he four checks. He's good on the cycle. He's obviously fast. He's got a pretty good shot too. Like you've seen him scoring off the rush from kind of the same spot there. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's what you want out of your fourth line. You want to be able to trust them and actually see that they can tilt the ice a little bit. You know, how many times have we played, have we seen the Leafs play against fourth lines that kind of just get out there and completely hem them in and hem in top players on the Leafs with just like a tenacious forecheck and speed and, and, and cycle. And well, yeah, it's, it's been, it, it's just not something you can do with Reeves in the lineup. And I think you see Gregor be that much more impactful when he's out there with McMahon and it's not that McMahon's doing anything incredibly special, but it's just that it's not Reeves. Keep up. They actually can play like you have three forwards on the ice instead of two, but yeah, I mean, I, he makes Camp look better. They ha- and and kind of Camp hasn't necessarily had the best year either. So, um, liked what I've seen out of him, especially last night that one shift they had with three or four chances in a row. Um, you know, well, not necessarily with the big hit by Gregor on the yeah, four exactly, track. yeah, and, and yeah, that's it's kind of what where where I'm at with him is is. I'd like, you know, uh, I don't know what the how much room they're going to have to make moves and stuff like that, but adding another guy like that to the fourth line would be would go a long way. Yeah, I, kind of, I joked on Twitter earlier in the season that I'd love to have an entire fourth line of Noah Gregor's. I just keep hauling it back out every time he does something. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if he starts, you know, getting a couple more looks up the lineup, 
Keith kind of went to that a little bit against Florida and rightfully so. Uh, I thought, you know, he, he was one of the Leafs that really had his legs going for the entire game, even after, you know, that horrific first period. Um, but with the way that Gregor has played in conjunction with, you know, I don't think Nick Robertson has been spectacular lately. I haven't exactly loved Matt Nyes on that top line the last few games either. I, I think some of the, you know, that rookie wall is starting to, to come into play for Nyes in particular. Um, I, I could see Gregor starting to get a few more looks there, just kind of mixed in, you know, not a permanent fixture in the top six or anything like that. But how could you not reward this guy? Because he's he's done everything that you could ask him to do in the role that he's been playing. Like, his speed is a, a game changer. He's one of the fastest guys in the league. And he's using that speed to complement, you know, his style of play, getting in on the forecheck, driving defenders wide when he does have the puck on his stick. He's not going to dangle through guys or anything like that, but he has the ability to just kind of get the defense on their heels and and really kind of just keep them under pressure with that speed. And uh, he's done a spectacular job of it so far. Yeah, it's a good point. I'm not convinced that Noah Gregor can't do some of the things that like Michael Bunting did last year, like, and, and potentially with that, with, with the plus speed that he has, but like, get you know, just get in on the four checks, get pucks loose, kind of create some havoc. Like it doesn't take a whole, whole lot to play with 34, right? Like you just kind of have to do some things right. And some things to get him the puck. And maybe that's something that's worth looking at. Like I, I don't, I, I was thinking of the same thing about what kind of line look might need to happen next. And Bertuzzi's been playing very well. Yeah. And I don't think that the move personally is to go, okay, he's playing well, so let's get let's move him up to the top line. I would rather just leave him where he is with Tavares. Like they've looked pretty good together. They play more at the same um, pace, I, I find. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of a better fit that way. And again, we, it's not like we have a ton of sample to go off of, of either line. And you know, you never you never know. And I'm not saying to never try Bertuzzi with Matthews again, but it kind of feels a little bit like a, you know, if it isn't broke, don't fix it thing with the second line, um, even though they, they took Nylander off of it. But yeah, I don't know. I just, I'm not in a rush to get Bertuzzi back up there. So there could be other options, I guess. And I mean, Yarn Coke's played Crow, pretty yeah. well too. Yeah, he's played pretty well too. But then again, like that third line was humming along pretty well. And yeah, there, there's there's a lot of moving parts with, with the forward lines and even the defense pairs too, obviously with the injuries. But like I just still – there still isn't like a clear-cut four lines to me that makes sense. No. Um, and I think we kind of all said that in the preseason too. Like the roster construction isn't exactly uh, – you know, obvious um, how everybody fits together. But, it looks like a team that was built um, by two different guys, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, go figure. <laughs> Can I ask you this? Like, why did San Jose let Noah Gregor go? Like, they're he seems super surprised he, by it too, right? Yeah, like, he's a very he, useful. It was player. a blind side, and he's a restricted yes. free agent at the end of the season too. So, like, there's no reason to think he won't still be in the fold with the Leafs next season. Uh, yeah, I just I. I think that's one that really fell into the Leafs lap there and it's definitely worked out so far yeah and it's not even like it was a, a money thing like it's not like he had a high qualifying uh, offer yeah that one was strange to and me. it doesn't sound like they had like a falling out where he asked to leave or anything because he was saying he was kind of blind would have been in line it. for big minutes <laughs> yeah exactly you mentioned the uh the injuries on the blue line do you think 
Simone Benoit and William Lagson deserve a little bit of love here. Yeah, I was going to ask what you guys thought about kind of the guys who've been f- doing spot duty and kind of filling in around the, the margins on the blue line. Well, I think Connor Timmons is god awful. Um, <laughs> but I've, I've really liked Lagason when he's gotten in there. But the, the guy that's kind of quietly flown under the radar while playing pretty steady hockey is Simone Benoit. Like he's not super fleet of foot or anything like that. He's not going to be a breakout machine, but like he looks like he knows what he's doing in his own end. And he's more than willing to, you know, lay the body along the boards and just mix things up and get physical when he has to. I I think he's done a a really admirable job when, when asked to step in there and, you know, with the way things are going, it looks like he's, he's going to have a good run of playing time here. And uh, yeah, that one's uh, another one of the depth moves that has worked out so far. Yeah, I mean, kind of, kind of, we're following the script as last year, right? With yeah. Mete and uh, Mete and Hollowell, just two different types of players. Um, yeah. You know, with 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 a little bit more size, a little bit more physicality. Um, but yeah, no, they've. I mean, what like the good spot to be if if you know those are your whatever they are, like 7th and 8th D maybe. Well, we're um, playing like our 7, 8, and 9 guys right now, basically. Yeah, so. exactly. And and I, I don't think you can look around the league and, you know, say that there's a clear-cut better 7, you know, like it's not, it's, I don't know what I'm getting at, but like kind of, they're, they're doing well for, for the, where they're at in the depth chart and what they're being asked to do. But you're right on Timmons, like, you know what, like when you see a guy going down a hill on a skateboard and he just starts like, wobbling, <laughs> he's too fast and he starts wobbling and that, that speed wobble and you're just like, oh no, something, something bad's going to happen here. That's him every time he has the puck. And I <laughs> yeah. know that's what he's good at is, is, you know, that's the plus side of his game is, is, is the offensive side of the game. But I don't know if it's just like MJ said it a couple times in the broadcast. And then he said it, I think on some of his radio hits afterwards where he's just got to let the game come to him. He's kind of rushing everything and forcing it all too much right now he probably deserves a bit Um, of time to to get his feet back under him too but but yeah it hasn't been good yeah it would have been very difficult to have the preseason that he had and then get hurt and then see that there's other injuries which would have guaranteed you a bunch of ice time but you can't you know you you're unable to take advantage of it and yeah then you get then you get in and you just try to fucking do it all at once right so yeah a bit of grace with him but he hasn't looked good at all um and and you know is he a better hockey player than Simone Benoit probably but in doing their roles and in doing what's asked of them uh you know Benoit's excelling uh more so than than Timmons has in a little bit of time that, that he's had but I've really liked Lagason probably the most out of all of them yeah um he's kind of throwing throwing the body around quite a bit gets in there after the whistle pushes guys around you know looks like he's mad it's it's nice to see that there sometimes <laughs> yeah I I like him too get a little bit of you know, snot in his game, right? Like just, yeah. uh, yeah, he, he's like you said, aggressive and yeah, I've liked him. Um, and you know, guy that we've talked about, uh, Nikita Zadorov, we talked about as a potential target for the Leafs. He's on the move to Vancouver, uh, for a price that I, I think, you know, we probably would have been fine with the Leafs paying, but I, I guess that the hope is that they have their Scythe set maybe a little higher, Nick? Well, there's a couple things there, right? Like the Klingberg money isn't there to spend freely just yet. Like there's been no conference. Maybe the, you know, the organization obviously has a better idea of where things are trending than anyone else does at this stage, but it hasn't been officially announced that he's going to be out for the year. So they can't just go spend that money right now. And even if they could, is Nikita Zadorov the player that we want the Leafs to be blowing that cap space on? Like we've talked about it already. 
sure Nikita Zadorov right now with the State of the Leafs blue line would slide in there and probably be playing pretty big minutes and, and would definitely be an upgrade on some of the guys that are there. But like when everyone's healthy or even when most of them are healthy, what the Leafs really need is someone who's going to be able to you know take on – they need someone who's going to be at least their second or third best defenseman who's going to knock everyone else down to the slot that they should be playing in. And Nikita Zadorov is not that. So there's a, a lot at play there. Um, and yeah, I think the hope is that if and when the, the Klingberg money becomes available, the Leafs are aiming a bit higher. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's not really about the assets that you, that you give up. I think we all, like you said, we all would have done that in a heartbeat. But if they're not retaining on him, that's probably like the only thing that you would be able to acquire, right? Like he, yeah. he wasn't, it's not like he's making a million dollars. Is he 3.75? Like it's yeah. pretty, a pretty good chunk of money, right? So, and I think we've talked about it. I think just the general consensus, even on Twitter, that they probably need two defensemen. So if you're going to get two, one of them, they can't, like one of them's got to be better than Zadorov, and the other one has to be cheaper. Play that <laughs> has got to be a lot cheaper. Yeah. Exactly, right? So, yeah, I mean, I think in an ideal world, you, pull off something like he did last year with McCabe and get a guy that, you know, has a little bit of control and you get the retention for a couple of years. But that's looking back on that trade. Like I know McCabe maybe hasn't been awesome lately, uh, but just getting him for 2 million bucks for, for two years was, was a hell of a trade. Um, but looking at this year, he's also being asked to do too much right now, right? Like yeah, that's why you need that other guy to, to fly in from the top and slot everybody down a to make everybody's life a little bit easier and yeah. fall into place. We saw it last year in the playoffs, like Brody and McCabe were taxed and it showed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we've talked about Tanev that being a, a pretty good fit and with Riley, which allows, you know, McCabe maybe to, to move down to maybe a third pair role. If you, if you're comfortable with Brody and Lilligren, like there's options if you come in with a, a guy that can slot everybody down a little bit, but I still think they, they probably need another defenseman. I'd feel a lot more comfortable if Giordano was, a seventh defenseman that would come in for injuries or if somebody wasn't playing well or something in the playoffs. I, he just, you know, ran out of gas last year and I don't expect it to be any better this year. A lot of overtime games lately. Oh man. Weird. A lot of shootouts. Fucking, I feel like last year I was talking about how I'm like, man, three on three, it never goes to a shootout. It's great. And then this year, it's crazy. Did you see my tweet earlier today? I, I went back and looked at the game logs from last year. The Leafs didn't, go to a shootout until like January 3rd last season. And they only ended up with three all season long. They've already had five shootouts through the first 21 games this season. Like 10, 10 overtime games in total. That's that's crazy. And like Sheldon Keefe alluded to it after the Seattle game, like, you know, there's 23 teams behind them in the standings and, and they haven't played their best hockey yet. But like, this is not a, uh, sustainable, formula for racking up points you know like all these coin flip games and just having everything go down to the wire the Leafs really need to you know find that next level and start putting together some tidy wins closing out games in the third period when they've got a lead and you know until they do that on a consistent basis I I think I don't think the noise is going to go away or the level of concern is going to diminish all that much amongst the fan base yeah, and it kind of looked like that for 45 minutes last night. Like, yeah. That we were headed headed towards one of those. And 
Yeah, I'll admit I was pretty pissed at the game last night. Like I said afterwards, yeah. when they won in the shootout, I was like, I kind of didn't even like seeing them celebrate. It's like, just get off the ice. Like, <laughs> it's annoying right now. Keith but, has gone full yeah, boomer. I mean, he, I, 100%. 100%. I, no, I mean, I'm with you. There were some moments there where they just looked as disinterested defensively as they have this entire era of Leafs yeah, hockey. Yeah. Yeah. They're back. They're playing right now like what everybody thought they have been for the last two or three years. Yeah. Like you hear like the amount of times that I heard, like just from other fans of other teams, like in, you know, work and friends and stuff about like, Oh, you know, the Leafs don't play, can't play defense. They're not going to win that way. They're all, they're all running gun. They're all offense. I'm like, if you watched a game, they're so fucking boring half the time. <laughs> like that's like, like that's what the Sheldon Keefe, Kyle Dubas Leafs kind of were built to be was super defensively sound. And it's not that right now. Um, and obviously there's personnel change too. Right. So that, that makes a huge difference with, you're not, you know, having a, like Engvall and Kerfoot and those types of guys can boring up a game pretty quick um, and swap them for, uh, you know, a Max Domi and a Tyler Bertuzzi or, you know, now Nick Robertson, the offense, first way of thinking kind of frees up quite a bit of defensive breakdowns and it's been pretty ugly uh, at times yeah uh so bruins coming up saturday night now would be a good time to note that once again during the predictions portion of our season preview we totally disrespected the bruins and i'm not gonna uh, stop i had him in the wild card <laughs> you both had them missing the playoffs uh and unsurprisingly they are just on a tear once again. <laughs> is it unsurprising? Like at some point, it's got to stop. <laughs> like, look at that roster. Like, I don't know what it is that you know. It's obviously you know uh, an organizational culture, the way that they play the game, just from the top down. That they, they do things the right way. But I mean, they're getting a lot out of uh, of out of that roster so far this season. I mean, uh, things have kind of gone off the rails a little bit for them the last couple of weeks. Like they've lost a couple of games, I mean, <laughs> which is yeah, you know, three in a row. Yeah, that, that is off the rails of. for the Boston Bruins the last couple of years. Um, Saturday night's a big game, man. Uh, the Leafs are like six, mm-hmm. six points back of the Bruins right now with a, a game in hand, I believe. So like yeah. it's not out of reach. It's still very early in the season. Um, the, the opportunity is there and, you know, what better time to kind of find that next level and have one of those tidy wins. It's obviously not going to be easy uh, against a team like the Bruins, but you know, the opportunity is there for the Leafs to kind of have a statement game. Yeah. Yeah, I think all this kind of, uh, you know, doom and gloom that there has been lately and kind of, you know, whatever you want to call the mood around the team, I think pretty much goes away with a tidy win like if they could do what they did to vancouver that night yeah. and just not let the not let them in it at any point and just kind of play a tight game and not have not give up two goals in the third period uh, that that'll go a long way to kind of squashing everything winning cures all yeah, yeah. for sure it, it, and winning not in a shootout but yeah well to that point like the leafs are seven two and one in their last 10 games like does it feel that way at all no yeah, a lot of tight ones in there. Um, so Bruins Saturday night, and then they're off until uh, row game against the Sens on Thursday. So uh, a little break in the schedule uh, for the Leafs. Uh, you guys want to remember, Leaf? What do you got? 
You guys remember Ben Andres? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember Ben Andres. With, with, no, I, I'm thinking of Daryl Boyce, the guy that got his schnoz hooked in the camera hole that time. But, <laughs> in the camera but, hole. Yeah, yeah. You know, Ben Andres was, uh, he, he was like, kind of reminded me of Ty Domi in a way. Like, I don't think he was that much of a, a fighter, but he, he definitely had that uh, that edge to his game and and had the, the look of a scrapper. Kind of looked like him too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I remember he him. always had a, a real tough look to him and and yeah that was i mean he was just uh he was like the ultimate grind guy right like he was just pure energy whenever he got up which you know he, he was in the system forever he kept in the marlies for a few years as well yeah, i feel like he um, was like i maybe and i might be actually you know i was just confusing it with uh oh, there's another guy that's very similar to this stocky got in a bunch of fights always was, always was in preseason fights and doing like gray area shit um Jamie Devane. That's who I was just thinking <laughs> okay. of right now. Brian Burke special. Yeah. Oh, God. Dark days. <laughs> yeah. 52 games over four seasons for uh, Ben Andres. And I, and I feel like he was like just in the system for... He was just that tweener guy forever, right? He was like, kind of like 13th, 14th, for 15th a dozen forward. Games. Yeah. yeah. He um, made his debut in 05-06 for the Leafs. But he was with the Marlies. He, he actually he was a he was a St. John's yeah, Maple nice. Leaf uh, for a couple of seasons. So yeah, oh three oh four. He was uh, he was in the system professionally, and uh, yeah, it took took a little while, but he made it there. And uh, yeah, Ben Andres. So it, what we're learning is yeah, we we don't remember Ben Andres <laughs> terribly. Well, we just confused him for two different people. So. <laughs> but it, it, like I can picture his face yeah. as clear as day right now, but difficult to convey that through this meeting. <laughs> All right. Well, that's uh, about going to do it. Uh, I, I did want to mention it. It's Spotify wrapped season. Uh, so thank you to anyone who listened to us at all, much less enough to show up uh, on the year end recap. That's that's awesome. Yeah, very cool. Uh, mm. Love seeing people sharing their favorite pods at, at this time of year. You know, and no one did that for us, mind you. Uh, but <laughs> the, the stats tell us that hey, the numbers we were don't the top lie. podcast we for favorite. at least a few of you out there. <laughs> yeah, show show yourselves. <laughs> yeah, send so, us your your screenshot if it was you. <laughs> So uh, thank you. Uh, and, and, you know, social media shouts are great. Uh, rating and reviewing, all great. Appreciate all of it. But uh, more than that, I, I love a nice organic tale about someone enjoying the pod. So I, I, wanted, to oh, send, uh, I wanted to send a quick <laughs> shout out to Tyler, who <laughs> is a listener, has been a listener uh, from Ontario, but living in Alberta. And recently put on an episode of the pod during a drive. And as it turns out, his fiance is actually a childhood neighbor of mine, one of my sister's close friends, someone who went to school with both Nick and I. Uh, so she points this out to him when she hears our voices. Wham, bam. That's the fucking East Coast for you, baby. <laughs> yeah. So we love that. And uh, and another thing we love is when Maritimers get to come home. Tyler just landed a job in Sydney. So they are hey, Cape Breton bound. So nice. we love that. Uh, he can start logging his time towards his honorary East Coaster status, <laughs> which maybe you guys can confirm. I believe it's seven years. Uh, I think that's been the standard for some time, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Works for me. I don't know, man. Died in the wool over here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, fellas. Cheers, boys. We'll do it again soon. Go, Lise.